You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode number 18. Hi, everybody. I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And welcome to Therefore I Geek. And today we have a special guest with us. We have Tom King, who is the author of A Once Crowded Sky and who is currently writing Grayson for DC Comics. So welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really an honor. Thanks, guys. So, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my track of thought there for a second. Tracy, Tracy pointed at something and a just shiny object. What was it? Was it like a picture of me online? Because I can do better. I swear. I can. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually I, I have, I have more hair in real life. It's our, uh, it's our recording feed. Yeah. No. Um. So you've had a little bit of a, a little bit of an interesting career here. Um. You started off as a as an intern for Marvel. Yes. Uh, and you are currently writing for DC, but you've had a few, um, shall we say, interesting career uh, stops in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, if you if you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I started off, I'm a super comic book nerd and I always wanted to write comics and be inside comics. Um, and I interned at, at both DC and Marvel. I interned at Vertigo. Um, I was actually Cliff Chang, you know, the artist. Yeah. Uh, I was his assistant or his, his, his uh, basically copy boy uh, back in when he was a Vertigo editor, which is crazy a long time ago. Oh, nice though. Yeah, yeah. Just the the best. I was photocopying like Garth Ennis and I mean Garth Ennis's drawings, you know, Steve Dillon stuff, and I mean just like the best stuff in the world. And then uh, oh, yeah. I I worked for as Chris Claremont's assistant, the guy who did the X Men for many ah, years. Yes, very Thanks. nice. That's that's pretty awesome. I'm yeah. a, I'm a big Claremont fan. Dude, me too. Uh, he's he's a he's he's not underrated because I mean what X X Men were bigger than anything's ever been and probably ever will be again. But people have almost forgotten what influence he had on the comic industry, I feel. Uh, yeah. He's just the nicest guy, too. We've met him a couple times. He's a total sweetheart. Oh, yeah. He's very sweet. I, and, we, and, we, and it was the best job ever because it was like he was creative director of Marvel at that time, which basically meant he was like in charge of looking at every single script and uh, like sort of commenting on it, which I'm sure to the writers was a horrible experience now that I'm a writer. But for <laughs> <laughs> for a young intern to, to read like every script that was coming in and sort of analyze it and take it apart and put it back together and see like what his comments were, it was just an amazing, I mean like, because it was long enough ago that like the old guys were still there. So like there was still some Roger Stearns, you know, the guys would come up in the 70s yeah. with the Marvel style. But then it was like the Marvel Knights thing was happening. So there were the Kevin Smiths and Paul Jenkins so it was like at this transition period, so you saw like the whole gauntlet of the difference of different kind of writing styles and treating characters. So it was a crazy education. Then uh, 9-11 happened, and like a bajillion other people, I volunteered, and I joined the CIA in, um, in 2002 uh, and served and did counterterrorism work overseas for a bunch, a bunch of years, uh, which is not a normal thing to do, but it seemed normal at the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but, a, lot, a lot of things seem normal right after 9-11 that looking back are not so normal. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I, and I was just, I was like, uh, like a seed on the wind of history. I mean, I was, I was just like, I was like, I want to fight terrorism. I want to fight terrorism. And I got in, they're like, okay, go to Iraq. It's like, I was like, is that where the terrorists are? Okay. That's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and that lasted, for, it's the best job I, I ever have, probably ever will have. And uh, then I had a kid and I couldn't sort of do that work anymore. I tried working. Uh, in DC for a while doing a desk job, um, which was 
great and rewarding, but it was tough watching sort of my colleagues uh, who had gone through training with do the job I really wanted to do overseas. Right. So I took a year off and I wrote a book, which uh, turned out to be Crowded Sky, and Simon Schuster paid me a bunch of money for it. So then I became a full-time writer, and eventually DC found me, and now I do a lot of, I just do this Grayson series, and I have a few more stuff coming out. So now I'm a comic book writer. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a, I went back to the beginning. It was like a 10-year skip on the record player. <laughs> <laughs> so the A Once Crowded Sky is the book that introduced me to you. Um, actually, I met you at AwesomeCon in April, yes. I think. Yes. And you were so nice. You were and so I nice. Thought, um, it was, this was the bent book. This is the bent up book. Yeah. Um, and you were like, oh, I'll get you a nice book. And I was like, no, I'm going to read it. It's cool. It'll go in my backpack. <laughs> um and okay, first I have to tell you this is not my normal favorite style of writing. In fact, I don't know of any other book that I finished in this style. Sorry, but no, I'll, I'll write it again. I'll write it better. I swear. No, it's it's good. It's really good. And I raved about. I mean, Andrew, how many times did I talk about this book? A number of times. And I actually picked up a copy from you at um, Baltimore. Oh, yeah, you guys a, are a the few best. months later. Yeah. Now I know where I got those two sales yeah. this year from. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, and I'll admit, I still have about 30 pages left. I'm a very slow reader. Slacker, I'm hanging up. That's it. I'm off the phone. <laughs> oh, sad face. But yeah, this it caught my attention. So I read it over the summer and um, it took me about... I'm not a slow re- reader. I read this book in about two hours. <laughs> and um, I, I just couldn't put it down. It was great. Um, and I think it was like 2.30 in the morning and I finished it. And then I thought, do you ever read those books where it just, it hits you and then you walk around in kind of a daze for a couple of days? Yes. You just have to, you have to process it. That's, that's kind of how I felt. So my book did that to you. Oh my God. This is the best podcast. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. But, I'm telling my wife this is happening. Can I give you a poll quote for my afternoon? <laughs> absolutely. Um, so talk to me about your writing style because this, this is unique. This is very different. Um, where did, what, what influences it? I mean, I'm an American male, so everything probably starts with Hemingway, as much as we hate to admit that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, the style comes out of sort of that 1940s stripped down, or 1930s stripped down style of, uh, I, I like to avoid metaphors, I like to avoid an- analogies, I like to avoid um, flowery descriptions as much as possible. Um, I try to go for just plot and description and um and i i live by the uh uh by the one writing thing which i think is the best which is character is action uh i try not to go inside the, my heads of my characters and i just show what they do and uh, let the audience take it from there i think uh if that's the influence of a lot of um a lot of writing but it's also influence of sort of a lot of you know we're a generation raised on television and movies where you don't get that sort of inner monologue and so i like to cut that out of my writing if that makes sense it does. It <laughs> My does. next novel is even more stark so uh, than this one. But uh, that was that was actually going to be a question. Well, I'll <laughs> ask you about that in a minute. But yeah, we'll come back um, to that. I do. It's surprising to me that you say, and I guess I'm realizing now that it really doesn't. You don't talk about the inner the inner monologue, and yet I get the impression that I know exactly what these characters are thinking. Yeah, I write in third person, super close, um, which means it still says he and she, not I. Um, but it, I write as if the person who was writing the he, she, and I was writing. Uh, it, 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 like, this book has, I, I think there's 21 perspectives or 21 characters get sort of a turn at the, the writing session. Um, 
And so when you're writing a character, even though you're talking about he or she, I, I pretend as if that character that I'm writing from or the perspective of that character is writing those words. So does that make sense? It does. So like if I'm writing pen, I wouldn't use a word that soldier would use. I wouldn't use language that soldier would use. And if I'm writing soldier, I wouldn't use words that pen would use, that kind of thing. Well, while they slip. Sense. And then I don't, I don't skip. I mean, that's every writer knows that. But you don't, once you're in that perspective, you don't skip out of it and suddenly show something that soldier would see when you're in pen's voice. That makes sense. This is the um, nitty gritty of writing. I like this. This is good. <laughs> so who do you identify with? Ah, uh, in this novel, I mean, I, I, I've it's been a while since I've I, I wrote it. But God, I love this book. Uh, <laughs> I I mean, Penn is is probably closer to me. I hate writing characters. This is one thing I learned for all the potential novelists out there. I don't know what helped me. When I stopped writing myself, I started writing much more. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mean, I know some people like you. Just you, you always should write what you know. You know, write what comes from you and write sort of that emotion. But I I do much better pretending to be other people. That seems to flow a little better. Than pretending to be myself, so so n- none of the characters are sort of me. But I mean, Penn is definitely a sort of stand-in. I mean, he's got a wife that he's utterly in love with. He's got a job that's dangerous and tearing him from me. It's, it's the most obvious metaphor for me being in the CIA and deciding between my wife and the job is Penn deciding between being a superhero and spending time with his wife. I think there's, there's one exact conversation that my wife and I had in there where she like just like takes him to the side. I think it was like right before I went overseas and she's just like, you have to promise me to be safe. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And she's like, no, safe. And I was like, yeah, I think that was, that was just directly from my wife, Colleen, this is my wonderful, beautiful wife. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I guess I'm more Penn, but I enjoyed, I always enjoyed writing Soldier. Those, the, oh, those are the two main characters. I say Penn and Soldier, the two main characters. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, Soldier's just fun to write and I'd write him forever if I could. For, from that perspective, then, with that little piece of you in each of those characters, why do they make the choices that they do? Uh, oh, that's such a good... Uh, when people say that's such a good question, that means they're thinking about the answer because I don't think... Of it. <laughs> 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 um, I, I, for Penn, again, that, that, I mean, that, I'm a guy who had a job who, which was wonderful and I really felt I was saving the, uh, saving the world. I, I felt it was, just, it was a righteous job. Um, and I walked away from it. I, I said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to spend time with my family instead. And that's the choice Penn makes. He makes that choice of sort of, okay, I, 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 I came to this job. I, I believe in it. It's saving the world. But I'm walking away from it. I should, should I go back and tell what the novel's about for people who don't know? I uh, that's, it, we'll have a synopsis in the, in the show notes. So oh, okay. Sweet. Um, uh, and so, so that, that, that choice comes sort of directly from sort of that idea. I mean, he's... he's it's, it's, he walked it's, away though without choosing to give up what made him a superhero though. That's just such an interesting dichotomy. I I won't do this job anymore, but at the same time I won't give up what makes me able to do this job. Well, I mean that's part of him. I mean he's he's a, when he was 10 years old or I think 10 years old, yeah, he he had sort of this this medal put inside him, this superpower put inside him. He didn't volunteer for it. It was someone put it in him and he he sort of can't escape that part of him. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's supposed to be, I mean, it's the most obvious analogy ever, but it's supposed to be the idea that like, I thought I was good at my job and I, like that part of me is still in me and it will still fight to be, I, I still want to do that job even though I'm with my family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way, the way you just put that there is a little, little Shakespearean, um, what I'm referring to is Twelfth Night, 
is a, a, a great line. Uh, be not afraid of greatness. Greatness. Uh, some have, some are born great. Some achieve sure. greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Yeah, <laughs> but Pen, Pen is, is is neither achieved nor born. Definitely thrust yeah. upon. Yeah, this did, it was not in any any way his choice to become a superhero, but uh, with that obligation, he felt like he had to do it. And then the, the whole book is about him sort of coming under that obligation again, him sort of finding faith in that. Now, one of the characters I, th- I think I appreciated the most is is kind of the the, the almost uh, the puppet master, the master in a lot of ways is a uh, profiteer. Isn't that a great name, profiteer? I still think it, re- it really is. Um, Profit with a ph, prophet. Yes. So where did where did profiteer come from? Well, all the I'm a, like I said, I'm a super big comic book fan. Um, so all the characters are meant to be the whole thing's supposed to be sort of on a meta level about comic books and sort of what they do right. in our lives. And so profiteer is my uh, sort of my Grant Morrison character. If you look at him, the picture of him in the book, he looks a little bit like Grant Morrison. Yeah, he remember, the the picture also it reminded <laughs> me some of the Grant Morrison also um, Warren Ellis is a Spider Jerusalem Transmetropolitan. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, it's it's from that school of those sort of punk rock, uh, metafictional, uh, late '90s people who are sort of like, let's take a look at what it means to read comics. And so he's 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 a character. He's supposed to, he's he's the ultimate fan. He loves this universe, and then he gets to participate in it. So he was he's the character most closely sort of associated with the idea of what do comic books mean to people, and what can comic books do to you, and sort of what can these adventures do to you. Okay. And, you know, I could elevate it and say it's all about God and all that stuff, too. <laughs> well, oh. you you sign, when you sign your books, you sign it, everyone comes back. Yeah. So, um, is that your own way of, I don't know, um, identifying with Profiteer? Do you like his perspective? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he's a little, he's crazy, but he believes... He believes in sort of the in, in, in sort of endless adventure. I mean, the, the struggle at the heart of the book thematically is the idea between uh, a, a life of endless adventure, where sort of like you 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 believe in something that sort of goes on forever and doesn't really have consequences, and then the, and then the other is is a, a real life, the struggle with a life where you actually die and your actions do have consequences. And comic books exist in a perpetual second act the famous quote where like there's constantly conflict you recover from the conflict you have another conflict you recover from you know even another conflict and just and it just goes on forever and, and that's profiteer he wants that he wants that infinite um sequence of events that 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 thing and then uh soldiers on the other side of that equation where he's like no if, if we have a life like that there are no consequences to actions there's no like I can never love someone truly if I know she's going to die and then come back and then die and come back. It's like it's, sure. uh, there's, there's, no, there's no stakes in it for me. And so it, there are the two sides of that equation. And they're sort of the, that's the central conflict. And Penn's torn between the two of them. He's sort of have to decide which, which of those two sides he's going to fall on. And the idea that he, at the beginning of the novel, he's walked away. And by the end of the novel, will he go back to the site of adventure? Does that make sense? It does. And then it's, it's supposed to be, you know... I mean, it starts with a quote from Dante. I like, I'm, you know, I'm. I like. Yeah, to, we were just, we were literally just talking about that quote. Actually, um, why did you pick that? Uh, I mean, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, I mean, to just to get the, the like super nerd part of it, but like the. <laughs> the oh, please do, please do. This is our favorite part. I the, the the whole the whole thing is it's supposed to, it's 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 from um, Paradiso the the you know Dante wrote three novels Hell. Mm-hmm purgatory and heaven and so this is the quote from heaven 
and 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 this novel is supposed to be it's supposed it's supposed to be like the opposite of that. So it's supposed to it's supposed to be a descent. It's like like Paradiso is about him rising to heaven. This is about heaven being represented as a comic book world again, that the world of infinite adventure that goes on forever, um, and then heaven the descent back to earth where you don't have that infinite adventure, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. So I mean, it's it's, it's supposed to represent as like the the comic books in this are supposed to be. Um, that idea, that idea of heaven, that idea of infinity, that idea of of, of infinite grace, um, is what comic books are, and then reality here is the idea of earth and, um, you know, uh, the grounded and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that that famous painting of Aristotle and Plato, once pointing to the sky and once pointing to the ground, by Raphael. Yes. Uh, School of Athens. It's 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 like that. That's supposed to be the central conflict. So that that's really pretentious. It's also got lots of guns and people f- punching each other, and it's very cool. It is. It is. It has all those things. Yeah. The, I, although I think, admittedly, um, some of that that meta and that subcontext is really what makes the book a standout. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's easy for me. Like, like when I was a kid, my my religion, for lack of a better word, was comic books and nerds and and, and that. So it was an easy leap for me. Like when I was a kid, that's what I worshipped. I worshipped Superman. Um, so I couldn't tell. Considering <laughs> the ultimate is the is the probably the greatest superhero in your book. Well, right. he is the greatest. He it said several times that he is. But yeah. um Yeah, so let, let let's switch to talking about Grayson for a little bit. Ah, yes, my second love. So, I'm kind of curious how yeah, you, know, you were out of the comic book game for you know, quite a while. How you got got back into that and and connected it up with with DC and Grayson? Uh basically, I failed enough times that something fell in my lap, I think is probably what happened. <laughs> Uh, after my after I wrote my my book, I really wanted to sort of break into comics. Um, I, again, I always wanted to do comics. You can tell. And I emailed a bunch of editors, and the editor that responded was Karen Berger, who's at Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Which you know, if you get because she discovered Warren Ellis, she discovered basically Grant Morris and Neil Gaiman, all the huge people. Did you need a, yeah. Um, so you're like, oh yeah, let's let's, let's do it. Whatever. You want. And so she asked me to pitch her something. I did. I pitched it to her. She hated it. <laughs> and uh, then she asked me to write like a little tryout story for an anthology for Vertigo, which I did. And that did very well. People liked it. So they're like, okay, pitch some series to us. And I pitched a, a series, and that got accepted, and then got rejected the last second. So then I pitched another series that got rejected. And then I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna do anything. And then my editor, Mark Doyle. Oh, also Karen Berger was fired like soon after she said yes to me, which is typical. And, yeah, and I, was, I was gonna say, I thought I, I thought Karen had, had had left for it ago. Yeah, it was one of those like, it was like, Tom, I love you, I want to work with you forever. And then like bleeding cool the next morning, Karen Berger to leave her and go, no. <laughs> oh. oh, that hurts. Um, but I mean, that's that's such the life of the freelancer. Like, what's out of your control? It's so bizarre. Um, but I had been working with Mark Doyle, who was her one of uh, an assistant editor there, and then he was the guy who discovered. I mean, it's a more complicated story than that, but basically brought Scott Snyder into comics. Nice. Him, him and his uh, wife, who works for Marvel, uh, and after the he moved over to edit the Batman books because he'd been editing Snyder on a lot of the Vertigo projects, and uh, he's like, "Well, I finally have power to say yes, so come over and we'll give you a series." <laughs> awesome. And I was like, "Yes, all right, good." So it's bad luck, but, you know. There's karma; and things balance each other out, and uh, and so that's how that's how Grayson came about. And it was a spy series, and I used to be a spy, so it was an easy sell for the for the upper. And then Grayson's been a huge, a bizarrely huge success. If you read and buy Grayson, thank you so much. 
which we do. Yep. And I was just going to say this that's not bizarre at all because I'm not a DC fan and I love these. Ah, sweet. See? I think I just like your style. I think I just really like your style. So every time I read something I'm like, "Yes, this is awesome." So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I th- I'd heard I don't know if I'm a lot of flashes. I don't want to talk about Eternal, though. I had heard that DC was kind of, you know, very stodgy, and they edited you, and, you know, they wanted you to talk to a formula. And so when Mark, our editor, first came to us, he's, he, we were sort of prepared for, like, okay, you know, we'll take the paycheck. Tell us what you want to write. And he's like, no, no, I, I, that's, that's not how we want to handle this. You guys write, because I, I work out with Tim Seeley, who's my co-writer. Um, you, guys, you guys write the series you want be as crazy and as cool as you want to be and i'll worry about all the rest of the crap and we're like no 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 no. we'll we'll, we'll do it the, the the normal dc way he's like no no don't worry about that <laughs> that's really fantastic it's like you be yourself go out be on a ledge take risks and we'll do this thing and i was, I was, I was like there's the opposite of what you heard and then like we did that and like all these people that i had i mean they must read so they must know it, but i heard like like, like uh, dan didio and, and bob harris came and they're like we love it take more risks go out and do more stuff like that. I was like, are you, wow. this is not what I've heard in the press. Is this true? And they're just like, yeah, go for it. You know, we, we, we want, we want our edgy comics. We want young comics. We want comics that, um, with a lot of diversity in them, like all the stuff that DC gets criticized for. They're like, we've heard you. We want to, we want to correct. We want to do that. Awesome. And so we're like, okay. And that's what, and I'm really got some more projects and that's still, those are still the marching orders. So, uh, nice. it's been, wonderful so far i don't know maybe i'll next year you'll call me and i'll be one of those jaded horrible people who uh they made a movie out of my idea and <laughs> i didn't get paid for it and <laughs> so obviously um great you know grayson is is featuring dick grayson the original original robin yes um and i was kind of curious what it's like writing you know a very, very much a legacy character not in a legacy book um it was a quote from a from an interview from Denny O'Neill a lot of years ago, after they they killed Robin, which was, was it Jason Jason Todd? Yeah, yeah, um, you know, and kind of how how you have to treat these these legacy kind of characters, um, and I'm just kind of curious, you know, especially like I said, since you're not since it's not Dick Grayson as Robin or as Nightwing, kind of what that experience has been like. Ah, uh, well. I should say, I mean, I'm a huge Dick Grayson fan. I mean, I would talk about Penn this whole time. Penn is a Dick Grayson stand-in. He's basically Nightwing. He um, feels like yeah, it. Yeah, very much. Yeah. <laughs> so he's my favorite. When I, when I wrote Crowded Sky, they started off with, okay, I'm going to write a book about comic books. I'm going to choose my two favorite characters. And I picked Captain America and Dick Grayson. Um, Soldier and Penn, basically. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, writing this, it's such an honor to write him, and it's exactly who I want to write. I was just telling my I was like, you'd have to, drag me away from this book out of my dead hands because this is just the best um but it was tough at first because we uh, tim said this we we were told like okay this is going to be a new thing it's going to be grace and he's going to take the mask off and then you guys come up with something to do with it and of course as soon as sort of the internet saw like like when crowded sky came out you know people like oh yeah it's interesting it's great book fine like people care about grace yes (laughs) yeah like he's he, he's a lot of people, including myself, like entrance into comic books. He's like the character you come in and sort of pretend you are when you're a kid, you know? And you, mm-hmm. um, I know people who have named their sons after him. So yeah. Yeah. And not, and so he has, he has, he has so many aspects. He has that one thing of like, like everyone grew up, like he's me, but in the DC universe. And also he has a huge following among both um, the, the LGBT com- community and also the uh, female community because he's a sexy motherfucker. Um, yeah, he is. <laughs> so, 
it's true can't deny it um so so like like that community like 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 they he he belongs almost to those communities like they see they and, and so we have responsibility to all three of those people to be like yeah we're gonna write a sexy motherfucker but also someone who used to be this character who used to be you um and people exploded being like oh they're gonna you know make him crappy and they're gonna take away everything we love about him and uh, and I, I i wrote nightwing 30 which you know I, I think i i would do that again differently and and people sort of went a little crazy i was like oh no I, you don't understand how much i love this character now i think he's a sexy beast and i think he's cool and i think he loves batman i i totally agree with you but yeah it was it was just a ton of pressure yeah, and I, I mean, I do think you do you do a lot of justice to the character. I mean, it still feels obviously the settings very different, and the the characters around him are very different. But it still very much feels like like you know, the, especially the Dick Grayson we've gotten in the last few years. The one's gone back and forth between Nightwing um, when he had the when he was wearing you know the Batman cowl for a while. Yeah, um, he's also you were saying that you, um, DC wants young comics. He feels like a straight shooting Archer, like Archer if he weren't <laughs> such an asshole. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Nice. Well, I mean, he's he's a character with a seventy four, about to be seventy five year history. I mean, he's older than Wonder Woman, um, and he also has he's also probably the you know among the top four or five characters that sort of exist in the consciousness, not just in America, but like the international consciousness. Right. Like you could find a billion people on Earth who would say, say, who's Batman's partner, and they say Robin. And when they say Robin, they're thinking Dick Grayson. They're not thinking yeah. Jason Todd and Tim Drake. And yeah. he, he like exists inside the, the conscious of the world. I mean, um, but he he but for a character that large, he doesn't have that big a uh, like he, you know. I, this is a line, but like when you like go get stickers for your kids' walls, you can find Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman stickers. You can't find Dick Grayson stickers, right? Like he should be. In the pantheon, he should be one of the top four or five guys in both DC and Marvel, but he hasn't been. So, I mean, that that was one of our sort of mission statements to be like, this character has that potential. We need to just push on him a little bit. Well, it, it's interesting, like, remo- kind of, I mean, I mean, Grayson's still to, to an extent a Bat book because, you know, Batman makes cameos in it. Yeah. But to a large extent, Dick is is removed from the Batman universe and, you know, I mean, even even as Nightwing, it was still very much y- thought of as used to be Batman's sidekick, and this is kind of pulling him away from that, giving him a chance to be himself without any of that. Yeah, the history's there, but they're not focused on that. Um, and kind of you're, you're saying, you know, he should be one of those, and I think part of the reason maybe that doesn't happen is the fact that he, he's a sidekick. Yeah, but what the, that's what the sidekick part of him is what makes him great. Like the fact that he was. As a kid, he had to go through this experience, and he had to come out of it. Like, right. That that's what makes him the best character in the DCU is, is that like he was just pulled into pulled into this world, and he had to be brave at an age where you're not supposed to be brave, and that he came out of it, and he wasn't all fucked up. He was an actual balanced, nice superhero, and that story of how that still affects him and still motivates him makes him interesting. Um. But yeah, it's it's tough with Nightwing, and I think it's people have always struggled because you're sort of caught between two dichotomies. Because Dick Grayson, he's not Batman, right? Because he's not what I what I, what I like to say is like um, the difference. Why Nightwing is kind and Batman is kind of crazy is is that um, Batman was raised by sort of trainers overseas and all these things, and it, it, 
Dick was raised by Batman. Like, like, like the, mm-hmm. the fact that, that, that Robin is not crazy, the fact that Dick has a sense of humor and is heroic is a tribute to Batman and what Batman did to be like, okay, I, you've gone through the exact same experience I did. You lost your parents exactly like I did. Let me help you get you through that. Right. And the fact that he's and, not as dark is a tribute to Bruce. And you, you actually bring that out in the Future's End uh, standalone issue. Oh, my favorite um, thing. Really? Um, it was... It, I had to read it twice. It's it supposed was, to be read I'm, twice. It's supposed to be. Okay. I wanted to give, it was a dollar more, so I wanted people to let, spend a little more time with it. <laughs> okay. I feel but like you, got, you got an opportunity to talk, tell his origin story again, which I, I liked. Yes. Because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't totally up on that. <laughs> I, I don't like DC, so I don't know. Yeah, and I, and I, re- I really enjoyed um, the, uh, the narrative style you used, where it was continuously moving back in time. That was, that was interesting. Yeah, th- that's uh, my favorite thing I've written until issue f- Grayson 5 comes out, which will then new su- soon be my new favorite thing I've written. Comes out four weeks from today. Go get Grayson 5 out in December, please. Nice. S- also, you managed to squeeze a fart joke in it. Right? You, oh, so really? you got the code as a joke? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it was more of a groan moment. Like, really? That's what I went. I flipped back however many pages in order to just realize it was a fart joke. Okay. Yeah, no, th- I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know. I think Andrew thought it was funny. It's well, like, I mean, it goes back to, you know, I mean, when when Dick figures it out, like way, you know, in the in the past, he's you know he's a he's a kid still. Fart jokes are always funny, especially as a kid. Fart jokes are always funny. Come on, I had I was I, it was a big debate when I wrote that page. I was like, okay, what can you spell that's short and would always make you laugh? What what is this specific word? <laughs> and just my mind went to fart. So that's you, that's maybe an insight into my own psychology. Nice. <laughs> um. But come on, it's a little funny to spell fart. Fart is a pretty funny word. Well, I mean, cheese. I mean, what, what would be the, the the equivalent? What could get you laughing really quickly? Um, yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah. I, I I absolutely adore that Future's End issue, and and then that really that was huge for me just personally when it came out because it was controversial and a lot of people talked about it. Like a video of me talking about it, it got like fifty thousand hits. It's like some bizarre thing, and um, but like DC noticed, and it was from that that I got a ton of more work because again we were taking it a bunch of risks we're doing different things with the form and and um mm-hmm. and content and 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 so and they're like yeah we want more of that kind of stuff and i should say that it's, it's uh it's drawn by stephen mooney and irish and it was his first dc work and it was my first dc work and it sold a ton so god bless the audience for taking two little rookies and, and giving us some support. i was gonna ask nice. i was gonna ask briefly about the art i know you didn't really do the art but <laughs> the ability of his ability to capture um, nuances of facial expressions. There's this one, I think it's in the Future's End issue. I read them. I like ran through all of the issues um, <laughs> really quickly in like two hours. Um, I do really read fast. Yeah, it's but apparently. there was this, this one moment when um, the female lead comes in and she flirts with him and she gets him to that, that one point where you, it's almost the point of no return, but not quite. And then she just like flirtatiously turns around and walks away. And he has this glazed over look. And I'm a chick. So I see that that look. <laughs> I have seen that look. I know that look. And I thought, how did he? It, it's, not, it's not a smile. It's not a frown. It's nothing that you, it's not a grimace in pain. It, it's a very subtle expression. And if you've seen it, you know what it looks like. But to draw that, that's insane. I was very pleased. I thought it was cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, Futures and Stephen is such, he's, a, he's Irish. Um, I, I met him for the first time in, in New York, and he's such the, the nicest guy. And, the, like, I wrote, that, that script had to be super tight because it's told backwards. And I wrote it, um, 
I, I laid it out for him. Like I wrote it. It's, it's on a nine panel grid and, uh, and artists can like totally fuck that up if they want to. And Steven, instead of like being like, okay, you know, this is kind of weird and I'm going to he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll draw this script, but I'll make it much better. Like I'll, I'll put my emotion with, with, without sort of fucking with the writing and it just it perfectly hinged with it. And he like elevated it. And it's just genius, yeah. We're doing another thing, Stephen and I, the annual that comes out in December, which is crazy. So we have a follow-up to Future's End. It'll be awesome. Grace and Annual number one. Which, I, like, when I, when I got Future's End, when I got the pages, I was like, I can't believe they're letting me do this. And the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> same thing with the annual. As soon as I get the pages, I was like, are you sure you guys are going to let me do this? Like, this is, a, this is an insane issue, the Grace and Annual that's out in December. Uh, we'll, see if they, we'll see how that goes over. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and it makes an appearance in both um, Grayson number four at the end and, and consistently throughout a once crowded sky is the idea of the game um, at the end of at the end of Grayson number four without, without giving too much away. Um, one of the characters is talking to Dick and realizes how much, you know, he misses the, the being the superhero and, and yeah. the chase. Yeah. Um, and I mean, throughout the entirety of, of a once crowded sky, you refer to as you refer to the game you know, the superhero game. Um, I'm kind of curious where that, where that comes from and, and kind of how you feel, um, kind of how you feel that, that, that I'm losing words here. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, it, it means different things in the, in the, those two different contexts because I, uh, it, it goes back to that, that what I was talking about before with the idea of sort of in crowded sky, they, they call it the game because sort of, to people who call it the game, it doesn't have that stakes. Like, like it's 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 like a football yeah. game. It's it's something yeah. that if you, I mean, not the. I mean, I'm a huge football fan. For me, it seems like it has stakes, but <laughs> but but really, it it doesn't. Like nobody. It doesn't affect shot. real life. It doesn't affect yeah. real life. It that that that's what a game is. It's like here are the set up rules, and if you stay within these rules, then we'll all have a good time. And uh, on some level, in Crowded Sky, that's what it is. It's like okay, we'll stay within these rules. The villains and the heroes will fight. We'll die. We'll come back, and we'll have a we'll all have a good time. It'll be an excellent adventure. Um, now, for Dick Grayson, he doesn't. Uh, Pen Pen can sort of step back from that. He's more of a uh, Dick Grayson can't step back from that. He's actually in the game, um, and he enjoys it. Like that's the the joy of his life is being a superhero. He he, um, unlike Batman, who sort of does this for because it's. Uh, his duty and because he's trying to make up for a horrible moment in his life and erase that pain. Dick Grayson was raised in a circus. He was always a performer. He was happy. He was good. He wants, he wants to be swinging from the, he wants to take risks and jump and feel that feeling in his stomach and catch the rope and beat the bad guy. Like that he does it because it's, there's a joy in it. Um, and, and he miss, he misses that when things get too dark, like, like our Tim and I always, I, I come from this like Frank Miller, Alan Moore school where it's like, oh, we, we want to draw Batman in the rain talking to the Joker and being depressed. <laughs> uh, and then t- Tim comes from sort of a Grant Morrison, more like a s- silly vibe. And, and t- Tim is always telling me, he's like, Tom, remember, Dick Grayson loves being a superhero. And we're like, oh, yeah. Like, like, uh, like in, in, in current continuity, everyone thinks Dick is dead. And so they did the they, – they, we could have done months of all the Bat family mourning Dick we we didn't want to sort of get we didn't kind want like, kind of like they did with Damien yeah like they did with like what they did with Damien and we had just do, they had just done that and so we didn't want we, we didn't want the, the book to be about sort of sadness and down we, we we wanted it to be about 
his joy and, and, and how much fun he has doing this. So we sort of, we, we put that to the side. And it's always been sort of our calling. Like, like, Dick is not the kind of guy who looks into his navel and says, why am I doing this? What does this all mean? He's the kind of guy who's like, okay, I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. Let's get this done. Nice. Um, and then, and, but, but he's also not Spider-Man. Like, like Dick has to not be Batman, but not be Spider-Man at the same time. It's kind of a weird dichotomy. Oh, he's older than Spider-Man. I, not, I don't mean in age. I mean yeah, in like maturity. In maturity. Yeah, exactly. Like he says jokes, but he does like Spider-Man's jokes are to cover his his the the to cover the pain, right? Like he he jokes mm-hmm. as a, as a way of being like, okay, this is a horrible situation. I'm a kid. I'm going to make a joke about it. But actually, hey, like uh, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah, coping mechanism. Grayson is joking because it's fun. Like <laughs> he's 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 up there and he's not scared. You know, he's an artist of the trapeze. That's what he is. Right. Um. Now, out of curiosity, so you mentioned you got some 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 work coming up for DC. Is there anything you can, you can tell us about or? No, it should be, it should be announced all this crap. I don't know. I mean, DC is going through this transition. I'm sh- it's been all of the news, but like they're going yeah. from, uh, they're basically moving offices for after 80 years in New York or something, um, to, to LA to go out to Burbank where I, which is where I grew up. And, uh, so they're, they're taking a pause for two months to do to this convergence event. I think it's called, um, and so after that, there's going to be a bunch of sort of a bunch of announcements, and I should be part of that, hopefully. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Well, no, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been pitching like crazy. Oh my god. <laughs> can you tell us about the novel in your head? Because I was actually going to ask if you were planning to return to prose. Um, yeah, I have two novels in my computer. I don't know what to do with them. I'm I'm, I'm conflicted. Comics are great, and they pay better than prose because you don't write them on spec like you do with prose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not that every prose writer writes on spec, but I do. Um, so yeah, I wrote I wrote a novel, which is my fi- which is probably the b- best novel I'll ever write, uh, right after Crowded Sky. And then I re- and then while my agent was trying to sell that, I wrote a second novel, which he thought was an easier sell. But then we paused on, so he's like, okay, we'll put one novel aside. Oh great, there's two and a half years of my life. <laughs> well, we'll sell the next one, uh, and then. Uh, because that uh, it's very complicated, but sort of that idea was originally started as a, as a comic book idea. So then we're like, okay, let's pause that one because actually we might launch it as a comic book because it might be a little easier to sell that way. So I have two novels that exist and they're written and they're done and I love them, but I'm not sure when they're going to see the light of day. So we'll see soon, someday. They're they're both not they're both this the, um they're both about terrorism and CIA and that kind of stuff. They're not superhero stuff. Oh. Yeah. Do you ever see um, Once Crowded Sky or either of the other two coming out as a graphic novel? I mean, especially a Once Crowded Sky, because I know a lot of authors are doing that now. Stephen King, uh, George R. R. Martin, some other guys. Yeah, I mean, Crowded Sky is, it's a combination of a graphic novel and a novel. Like, it has graphic pages in it. Mm-hmm. And the idea is it's, it starts as a graphic novel. and It's about a bunch of superheroes who lose their powers. And so. it's broken into issues, I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, so, so like, 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 the meta idea is, like, when they stop being superheroes, they stop being graphic and they become prose characters. Oh. So like it starts out as graphics and then they lose their powers and it turns prose. And then you get flashbacks throughout that are in graphics. So it's supposed to like, has a little meta element to it. I, I did not catch that. And that <laughs> makes me sad that I didn't see that. Cause no, I'm usually on top of my game a little better. No, no, no. It's, 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 uh, it's not a big deal. It just, it, it has I think like 15 pages of by the great Tom Fowler, who's a brilliant artist and who did the cover. Um, and so 
I think I would like to do like prequels to it in graphic form. I actually have I I wrote an issue and had it drawn and it's on again it's, I have so much on my computer that hasn't been published. Um, that's a prequel to it, uh, based on a Shakespeare thing, going back to Twelfth Night. Uh, and so very nice. Someday that that will see the light of day when I get my shit together and put that together. But yeah, like there's a first issue of a prequel that's done on my computer. I just have to get it, find a good publisher for it and a place to put it. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm really happy about that, actually. Thanks. Yeah, I, I love those characters. Like, I have, a, I have a, like a wall full of sketches. I have Soldier and Pen sitting right next to me. A Soldier by uh, Frank Avia and a pen by Dustin McGuire. who's at my desk. No, they're, 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 they're like my little family, those guys. Nice. So, uh, Tom, to kind of wrap things up here, uh, we like to ask, uh, we've got guests on, ask them what, they're, uh, what they've been into lately, books and comics and things like that, you know, kind of anything. So, so what have you been, been into lately? <laughs> uh, comics, I've been rereading a lot of the classics stuff just because I'm like, man, I want to write even better than I'm writing now. So, like, I've just reread the Alan Moore's um, DC Universe stuff, which I think might be my favorite comics of all time. If you have that trade, just the one trade of Alan Moore's DC stuff from the 80s. Um, and, uh, but, like, current stuff, I don't know, I'm, I'm into the things everybody's into. Um, I, re- I have Saga, and I really like Fade Out. That's a new thing just launched from Ed Brubaker at Image. Um, and in the, D- the DCU, the new uh, Batgirl is awesome, if anyone hasn't checked it out. Yep. It's a ton of it's a ton, um, and then I think Batman Thirty Five, dude. I was at lunch in New York City. They sat me next to Scott Snyder. I was so fucking intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I had no idea what else. I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" His wife had gone to college with me, so like, I was like, "Okay, I'll use that." <laughs> and all sorts. Of, um, but uh, but the the new Batman arc is fantastic. Um, oh yeah, the, I, uh, the uh, End Game. Yeah, the end game. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, that that first issue blew me away. Um, not, not only do we get Scott Snyder um, writing, you know, still writing, we get we get Greg Capullo drawing the entire Justice League. I know, right? Justice League as taken over by the Joker. Oh, yeah. How did you think of that? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I read everything. I basically read almost everything DC puts out at this point. I just like get on my. Computer. I just get on my little iPad and go, and I read a ton of Marvel too. I like what Bendis is doing with the X Men. Yes. Um, Rocket I, Raccoon. I like Rocket Raccoon. Scotty. Oh, uh, it's it's weird. Like, like when you first start in comics, like you're like, oh, I, I you see through it because you start to know some of the people and something. Not everybody's a nice guy, right? Like it's like right. it's like that. So like you don't want to read like the guys who are assholes, and then. And then, like you also like you start to meet like really nice guys, and you don't want to read their stuff either, because what if it's not as good as they are in person, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you've had I, conversations with guys about it. like this guy knows exactly what they're talking about. This is a genius. I can't believe when you read his stuff, you're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, like that was like a period, and it's it's sort of like past for me. Like I don't know how to say it. Like I, I like like for a while I would just read things and I would see their personalities and I would see the artists and I would see the writers now that I'm getting to know all of them. But now like I've stepped like past that and I can start to see like the comics like a fan again. I don't know what this is psychologically, but um, that's sort of, sort of fading away. So I, yeah, I read absolutely everything. I don't know. 
Um, and what's I'm really into old movies right now. I don't know why. That's what I do to relax. I do watch a lot of old movies from the forties and the from the thirties and the forties, and I try to steal uh, their plots. Some some of the the film noir kind of stuff. Yeah, or? film noir. Yeah, I was just watching a movie called Laura, which is a crazy fucking movie last night. And um, it's at some point in the uh, in the near future, we're actually we've got a post on film noir coming out. Ah, I think yeah, that's soon. Um, yeah. So, so those are the, those are the things I'm into. Well, Tom, thank you for coming on. We've had a this has been a great conversation. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Thanks for reading my book. That's really awesome. A lot of people want to interview me about Grayson. They don't really say, "Hey, how about Crowded Sky?" I was like, I was like, "Oh, awesome. That's great." Well, yeah, I, guess, I mean, thank you for coming out. Thank you. Yeah, very much. Oh my. Uh, so, if you like what we do, make sure you uh, listen to us on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review. Check us out at thereforeageek.com, facebook.com slash thereforeageek, on Twitter at thereforeageek, and Tracy is at Mary Eyes. So once again, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tracy. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.